today we're going to spend some time reflecting on the wonders of God's love. Uh, we're going to behold the wonders of God's love, and we're going to seek out what God calls us to do in response, how we are to respond um, in faith and obedience and following in Jesus' footsteps. Uh, but part of that, part of that response is pouring ourselves out before our God here in this place. You know, God, as we gather for worship, God is our audience. And we sing our praises and we offer up all we have to Him. Uh, so I want to invite you into this time of prayer where you can do just that. You can lay yourself bare before our God. Uh, whatever you have brought with you to this place, just lay it at Christ's feet. Let's pray. Holy God, we give you thanks. Holy God, we breathe you in. And we pray, come. Come, God. Come to this place. Come into our hearts. Come in our midst that you might transform us, make us new. Bring your light. Bring your peace. Bring your hope. God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together in your presence, to sing your praises, to lift up all, all things that are, that are just weighing on our hearts. We, we come here today to lift up the joys that we seek to celebrate in your presence. So God, we pray that you would receive all that we have to offer you. We thank you for the gift of the church. God, we thank you for these people who lift us up, who build us up, who uh, surround us, who love us, who, who keep us accountable, who laugh with us and cry with us. God, we give you thanks. And we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would continue your work in our midst. Continue to make us who you've created us to be, agents of your love, agents of your redemption in this world. So God, have your way. And I pray, God, as we find ourselves in this season, as we find ourselves waiting and hoping, as we find ourselves preparing, I pray, God, that you would enable us to encounter, to behold the wonders of your great love for us and for all of creation. And God, help us to be faithful. Help us to, to trust in you. Help us to follow where you lead. Help us to be obedient. But God, we offer ourselves to you, and we pray, God, that you would use us. God, we, we prepare to celebrate Christmas Day, the Christmas season, but God, I pray that you would use this time to, to just point us back to you, that we may encounter you anew and be transformed. But God, we love you and praise you. We pray all of this in Jesus' holy name as we pray the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
So friends, today, as I said, we talk about the wonders of God's love. And I'd like to read a passage of Scripture uh, from the Gospel of Luke. We'll be in chapter 1. And uh, we're going to encounter Mary in this story. Uh, this is the story of Jesus' birth being foretold. And a couple of weeks ago, we, we talked about Mary a little bit, her, her song. Uh, we're going to look at her in, in, a, in a different light today. But I, I encourage you to hear these words of the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Will you pray with me? Lord God, we give you thanks for your scriptures and how you speak to us in and through them. We pray, God, that you would speak to us here today. Here we are, open, ready to receive all that you have for us. But speak to us, guide us, lead us, teach us, and transform us. All in the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen and amen. So Advent, I love this season of Advent. I, I, I don't know what your experience with Advent has been, if you've, ex, if you've been through Advent, if you lived through Advent, uh, if you've experienced it before um, or not, but Advent is such a special time. It's a special time of waiting and hoping and preparing um, and, and doing so all expectantly to celebrate Jesus' first Advent, right? Jesus entering into our midst, Jesus' incarnation. But we also spend time looking up, waking up, getting ready. We, we ready ourselves to behold the glory of our God all around us, even now, even today, as we prepare for Jesus' second coming, when he will come again to establish his reign, his kingdom fully, and redeem and restore all things. You know, as I've thought about that, it, you know, in this Advent season, uh, it's just, there's so much wonder involved in all of that. So much wonder in, in the reality that God entered into our mess, mess that, that God's love was poured out in such a way to redeem and restore us and all of creation. So much wonder. I was thinking about that wonder, and, and you know, over uh, Thanksgiving, I, I was at my parents' and my parents are just at a stage in life where they're, they're getting ready to kind of move to a different house, sell their house, all of that. Uh, so 
my brothers and I, we were going through some of our, some, some of our parents' stuff, just trying to clear it out, because, you know, there's years and years of just stuff that just accumulates, as you well know, I'm sure. But there's this one particular room down in my parents' basement, and, and it's that one room where you have something and you don't know where to put it, you put it in that room, right? It, we call it the storeroom, right? And it's just a, full of junk. But it's full of stuff that's been accumulating for 30 plus years there in that house. So we were going through all this stuff, and it's it just an absolute cluttered mess, right? There's stuff, you know, shelves, there's stuff in the middle of the floor, there's this tiny little aisle to get around all, of, all of the junk in there. But as I was going through some of that stuff, I found some stuff that just really transported me back to my childhood. I was just, whoa, I haven't seen this in, in 30 years or, or more. And, and some things that, that really brought, brought up some great memories of, of family times and family members, even family members who had, who had passed. And so I, I, I caught a glimpse of kind of the bigger picture when it comes to the importance of life and family, uh, the bigger picture when it comes to, to hope and love. And, and in that, I was just filled with this sense of wonder, but I was filled with that wonder in the midst of the junk, right? The mess. There's still that tiny little aisle. There was still junk all over the place, but filled with that sense of wonder, you know, as we journey toward the celebration of Christmas this Advent season, we continue to behold the glory, the wonder, and the love of Jesus. And so we spend time resting in the reality that God has entered into our worldly mess to bring redemption. And we look forward to the hope given us in Jesus returning again to build his kingdom in its fullness. So we wait, we watch, we prepare. We look up, we wake up, we, we pay attention, we behold the wonders of Jesus that are and that are to come. You know, that, that's what we read about, that's what we talk about, that's what we pray about, that's what we sing about this time of year, especially in the, and, and this week I've been thinking about one of the songs that we sing during this season uh, and been thinking about the story behind it that really, I think, speaks so much just truth and life to us. It's, it's the hymn, Joy to the World. We all know, and many of us, we've sung our entire lives, but do, do you know the story behind it? I, I guess it's, it's, it's a really kind of cool story, uh, but it, it's a hymn written by Isaac Watts in the 17th century when he was 15 years old. Can you imagine that? 15 years old. But Isaac, as a teenager, he had gotten really bored with church. You know, all the monotonous, droning music that he had heard in church growing up. He, he just saw there was just such a lack of, of joy. There was such a lack of emotion. He was just bored with it all. So he shared all of this, all of his gripes with his father. And you can imagine what his father then said to him. He, said, he issued him a challenge, right? He said, do something about it. You're bored with it, you don't like it, do something about it. Write some new songs. So he did. And Isaac Watts, he became the most prolific church music composer of his time. But one of those hymns was Joy to the World. And it was a, it was a hymn based on Psalm 98. Uh, it just, 
And, and it was, you know, I don't know if you knew this, but Joy to the World is not even intended to be an Advent or a Christmas song. It's just a song of praise. But purely a song of praise, recovering the joy and wonder of God's promises accomplished in and through Jesus. We just happen to sing it this time of year. But he had caught a glimpse of God's wonder, and he wanted to share it, right? In the midst of all the, the monotonous droning that he experienced as a child, he, in some way he had experienced the glory of God. He experienced God's wonder, and he wanted to share it. Thinking about joy to the world, it's, it's the last verse that really sticks with me. And you know it. He rules the world with truth and grace and makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and wonders of his love. You know, what, you think, what's being communicated there? Well, it's the reality of Jesus' presence. It's the reality of Jesus' lordship. And it's the reality of the work that he does in and through us. You know, makes the nations prove the glories of his righteousness and the wonders of his love. I think about those, the wonders of God's love. Today we're going to contemplate the wonders of God's love through the story of the angel appearing to Mary. The, the wonders of God's love shown in and through Mary. As I said, a couple of weeks ago we talked about Mary, Mary's song, uh, about how how different faith traditions take different approaches to their understanding of Mary. You know, some grew up with the understanding of Mary that uh, exalted her to a status of almost a, a deity. Um, many Protestants, though, throughout the last few hundred years in reaction, have largely ignored Mary's role in salvation history. You know, others have held that, that Mary is a model of, uh, for womanhood or a model for motherhood, all of these things. But in the Gospel of Luke, I think another understanding of Mary emerges. You know, Luke, he doesn't exalt Mary as a goddess. He doesn't even exalt her as a mother or even a woman. Even though it's, it's pretty amazing that a Gospel writer includes a woman in such a prominent role during this time in the first century. It's pretty incredible. But that's not specifically what he's extolling. Instead, she plays a much more important role. I think Luke is painting her as the ideal Christian. Which sounds strange because, you know, at this point, Christ hasn't been born yet, right? Um, but even before Jesus is born, Mary is lifted up as the role model for Christian faithfulness and discipleship. You know, the person who all people, men and women alike, should emulate, especially if they wish to follow her son. In, in Luke... I, I could say it this way, Mary is the most Christ-like human being in this story. And Luke, he draws the parallel between Mary's response here in chapter 1 of, of humble trust and o, obedient service to Jesus' res same response in, in chapter 22, while he's praying to the Father before being given up to be crucified. You know, Jesus, he experienced real human anguish and anxiety but he responded in faithful obedience to the will of the Father. Mary also experienced the same emotions. 
But reflecting the nature of faithfulness also responds in humble trust and obedience. In this, she is looking up. Right? She's beholding the glory of God to be fully revealed in the child that she carries. Now we, can, we, we hear the story of Mary. Many of us have heard it all of our lives growing up. And we can understand trust and faithfulness and obedience in, in Jesus. I mean, He's the Messiah, right? He's the, the Son of God. He, he's very God with us. But Mary, what about Mary? What was so special about her that she could respond in such a way? Well, we tell the story. And we read about God sending an angel to Nazareth. And Nazareth was just this tiny little backwater town in the middle of nowhere in Galilee. And he appears to this teenage girl named Mary. And, and Mary, she's engaged to be married. And upon appearing, the angel says to Mary, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. And then Mary's response, Luke gets into Mary's response. I love this. It says, Mary was greatly troubled. Are you kidding me? Like, greatly troubled, right? The understatement of the century right there. Mary was greatly troubled. So much so that the, the angel had to say, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid, right? And that happens every time an angel appears. The angel comes and says, wait, don't, don't be afraid. We had a conversation on our podcast last week about that. Well, like, what do these angels actually look like? They must not have looked like you or me for them to come and say, do not be afraid, it's okay. But the angel says, do not be afraid. And then he drops this bombshell. You're going to have a child. You're going to call him Jesus. He will be called the Son of the Most High. And, and then get this, the Lord will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever, and his kingdom will never end. You know, imagine me and Mary, teenage girl, middle of nowhere, person of, you know, poor, of no estate. This angel appears, don't be afraid. I'm going to give you all this. The weight of salvation history is going to rest on your shoulders. And it, it, you, I can imagine Mary probably didn't just, just didn't say, okay, sounds good. But I think to understand the weight of it, though, we have to go back to the Old Testament, to 2 Samuel 7, and to the covenant promise made to David. And it's a covenant promise that God will establish a kingdom through David's offspring and will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. It was this hope that the Jewish people held on to from that time on. You know, they were waiting for the glory of God's kingdom. They were waiting for their people, their land, and God's presence to be restored. And restored in the midst of captivity, in the midst of exile, in the midst of oppression and slavery. And then centuries later, Mary, a faithful Jew, she would have been holding on to that same hope. That same hope for her people in the midst of Roman rule and oppression. So, so Mary, she would have been waiting for the former glory of David's kingdom to be restored for her people to be redeemed, for the land to be returned and restored, and God's presence to be made known fully. 
You know, she was waiting for the Messiah. So Mary, hearing what this angel is saying, naturally is incredulous. You know, how will this be? You know, she said, how physically can this be? I'm, I'm a virgin. How's this going to happen? But really, I think you catch a glimpse of that weight, the weight of salvation history coming down to rest on her shoulders. How will this be? The angel says, by the Holy Spirit, the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. And so to this crazy, ridiculous news, Mary responds, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary, this, this poor, unmarried peasant girl, which carries all kinds of implications on its own, in the middle of nowhere, she's said to be highly favored. That she has found favor with God. And in the following verses, it says that she is blessed. Why is Mary favored and blessed? How is Mary favored and blessed? Well, Luke makes clear that it is not because she is to be the biological mother of Jesus. That's not the reason for her blessing. But instead, it's because she believed God's word and obeyed. Not because she's going to be the mother of God, the Messiah, but because she heard God's word. She believed it and she obeyed. And this, this is a theme throughout Luke's gospel. In Luke 8, chapter 21, uh, it is a story of faith and obedience over familial ties. This is Jesus' teaching. And then there's an instance in, in Luke chapter 11 where, where Jesus is teaching and, you know, a, a crowd is gathered around him and one woman from the crowd, she, she speaks up and she shouts out. She says, blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. And to this, to this Jesus responds, blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. You know, just like Mary. What this says to me is that whatever blessing Mary is given, we can share in. We can share in that blessing. If we emulate her belief in God's word being fulfilled and belief, faith, you know, being the unity of, of trust and obedience, of, of living faith out through acts of love. Now, I have to say, the word obedience for many of us, if not most of us, if not all of us, carries a lot of baggage with it. Uh, it's not a word that most of us really like that much. We're, we're red-blooded Americans. We do what we want. We're, we, we go, we pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. Obedience is not a word that comes naturally to many of us. And in our culture, right, we're, we're free to do whatever we want. That's how we define freedom. We can do whatever we want, whenever we want, kind of, right? We put limitations on it. But one thing culturally that we're really not free to do, just based on how we view the world, the one thing we're not really free to do is obey. Right? That's an affront to our freedom, so we think. But Jesus is calling us to the freedom of obedience. 
And you hear that? Freedom in, in binding ourselves to Christ. Freedom in following where He leads. Freedom in limiting our own wills so that we may follow the will of God. That's true freedom. I think about this story of, of Mary, the, the blessing that Mary has given, and the blessing that we too can share in by emulating her belief, by, by, by being obedient, and obedient by living out our faith through acts of love. You know, this is, this is the nature of the wonders of God's love. You know, God's love being made known such that we can participate in it. We behold the wonders of God's love for a creation in rebellion. Right? Our creation is in rebellion. We, we behold the wonders of God's love for a humanity that continually flees from God's presence and falls short of the glory we are meant for and called to. We behold the wonders of God's love for a teenage peasant girl in the, the middle of nowhere in backwater town in, in first century Palestine. And through her faithfulness, God made known His love for all of creation and all of humanity in and through Jesus Christ. You know, Mary truly was highly favored and blessed. We too can share in God's blessings when we encounter God when we hear His Word, and when we respond in obedient love. This Advent season, that's an opportunity for us to do just that. To, to step back, right? To, to quiet our lives, to quiet our hearts and our minds because there's so much going on. We have so much to, to think about, so much to get done. But to quiet ourselves, to self-reflect, to turn our eyes and our ears to Jesus and to contemplate the gravity of God becoming like us, moving into our mess and bringing His redemption and restoration to us and all of creation. So my prayer is that all of us would, like Mary, respond in simple trust and humble obedience to the perfect presence and word of our God. This is the life that we are called to. I think there's a hymn, right? Trust and obey. Trust and obey. It's simple, and there's freedom in that. May we experience the fullness of God's freedom and the wonders of his love as we follow in Jesus' footsteps. Amen. Joy of the Lord is my strength.